Thanks, Joel. Thanks very much. Um, well, okay, what we're seeing here is um, William L. Wells' portrait of Dolly Madison, painted when she was about 80 years old. It was actually painted right here in Washington. And so it's an interesting situation because we're seeing her at the end of her life. Um, half a life ago, when she was 40, was when her husband James Madison became president of the United States, fourth president. So what happened in the meantime? Well, just before that, those of you who know about her, you know that she always had a reputation for being outgoing and charming and fun and interested in people. And um, when the, the capital was moved to Washington from Philadelphia in 1800, her husband was Secretary of State. So she came to Washington in 1800, and that's actually when her portrait was painted by Gilbert Stuart, which is at the National Gallery. Um, so then she, um, in 1808, she became First Lady, and of course, Madison was president until 1816 or 1817, at which point they moved back to Virginia to Montpelier, um, where he spent the rest of his life. So then he died in 1836, and at that point, Dolly, gradually moved back to Washington, gradually, because at first she came for a short period of time each year to a house that belonged to her sister um, on Lafayette Square, and then eventually moved there permanently um, and spent the last 12 years of her life here in Washington. And at that point, those of you who know her story, um, when she was white, a first lady, she had famous um, receptions, Wednesday night receptions at the White House that people could come to. And she decorated the White House. She, she and Latrobe collected the furniture and designed. The wonderful red curtains were one of the things that she was very proud of. Um, she hung portraits of various people in the dining room, in the state dining room. Um, she was a person who was very aware of, of the importance of history and of her situation as First Lady in Washington. When um, after they moved to Montpelier and after Madison died, or uh, toward the end of his life, he was very impoverished as, as a planter. And after he died, there was very little money left in his estate for her. She sold his papers to Congress, so they are now in the Library of Congress, and as I said, moved to Washington. Um, so here we see her at age almost 80. Um, she's wearing um, the turban that became, had become her characteristic um, hat, headdress um, since the days that she was First Lady. Um, and she's wearing a black dress. Apparently, always after her husband died, she wore black, which would be typical at that time. Um, but she's wearing a, r a wonderful red shawl. And um, she, her eyes are very are blue, but very cloudy, which may be cataracts, or maybe apparently she had suffered from eye infections when she was older. Um, the artist, um, William Elwell, was a younger, much younger man, 38 years old, from Springfield, Massachusetts. And we really don't know how he managed to get the sittings with Dolly Madison. Um, but he had been in Richmond, and then he came to Washington, and he tells us in his diary that he met her, and then he painted her portrait. Um, he may have met her because of um, her, his, his teacher, Chester Harding, who was a Springfield and Boston artist, who actually painted James Madison. The portrait is on the other side of the Jackson portrait on the wall. And that was painted at the Constitutional Convention for the State of Virginia, which was in Richmond in 1829. I mean, Elwell wasn't there, but it's possible that that's how he got the introduction to the Madisons. At any rate, he came to Washington, painted her portrait, and he left us a um, wonderful description of her. Um, he was charmed by her, so we do have that sense of her as a person. Um, he said he described her as a very estimable lady, kind and obliging, one of the old school, 
fluent in her conversation, interested in all the events of the day, as lively and as blooming as a miss of 16, though this bloom was artificial, he wrote, the rouge being applied in a most delicate and artistic manner. <laughs> and not only that, but the black curls, if you think about it now, she's 80, the black curls also were fake curls and she'd stick them up under her turban to make her to look younger. Um, he enjoyed talking to her. Um, he must have told her that he was a struggling artist and that he was trying to get commissions. We can imagine the conversation and that maybe he could find a government job. And all we know is that within a few years, he did have a job at the Treasury Department as a clerk. So we find him in the city directory a few years later listed in that job. But then he sadly had a stroke and moved back to Massachusetts and spent the rest of his life and, and not so well, not so good circumstances. But he remembered her, remembered her conversations with her. She gave him a gilt-edged teacup that she said had been one of the serving cups at the White House. And of course, if you think that by this time, she really had lost most of what she'd had for two reasons, and I'll come to the second in a minute, when she was the wife of the president. It's really special to him that he gave her this teacup. And he also gave her an autograph of President Madison. Now, um, the second part of the portrait story, in a way, is that um, he called her a heroic, noble woman. And this was when she told him this story of how she had rescued the portrait of George Washington. And I think all of you know this story. People ask us often, and if you, after we finish, if you go around the corner, you'll see the first version of what is known today as the Lansdowne portrait, the full-length portrait of George Washington by Gilbert Stuart, which was painted toward the end of his presidency. And people often ask us, when they come here, they say, is that the one that's usually in the White House? It's not. It's the first version, and the White House one is the fourth version. There are two others. There's one at the Pennsylvania Academy in Philadelphia and one at the Brooklyn Museum. So Stuart, typically of 18th century portrait painters, would start, make a life portrait, and then he would make replicas, we call them, if someone commissioned the portrait, a replica. Now, the story is wonderfully complex, as all of these 18th century stories are, and as all Stuart stories are, um, because the portrait that is in the White House, and it's there today, and if you watch the president in news conferences or in special receptions, you can see it. The other night he was on television, and I could see Washington's feet behind him on the, on the television. So the portrait is there. Um, when Stuart came to Washington, D.C. in 1800, because the portrait was acquired for the U.S. government, well, actually, it was acquired in 1800, and then in 1802, Stuart moved to Washington, or came to Washington first, before his move, and he told Mrs. Thornton, Mrs. William Thornton, the wife of the architect, that he didn't paint the portrait that the government owned in the White House. Well, it was then the president's house, but he bargained for it. And we're not sure what that means. For a long time, people used to say, recently, it's not by Stuart. Um, several people were, would quote, be quoted as saying, that's not by Stuart. But it's more likely that what it is is that by the time of the fourth version, Stuart wasn't painting the whole portrait, that he had painting assistants in his studio or in another studio in Philadelphia helping him to finish these large pictures. That would be also typical of a, of a portrait painter at that time. And that he might have meant that, that he paid other people to help finish the portrait. We don't know because the documentation for Stuart is very thin. Um, we just have lots of stories. But at any rate, um, the portrait was in the president's house starting when the first president started to use the house, which was Jefferson, in 1800 or just after that. And um, if you fast forward a bit to the War of 1812, which you all know was called 
President Madison's war. Um, of course, the British marched on Washington in 1814. And uh, Dolly Madison, this is August 1814, and um, Dolly Madison was still at the White House, apparently, from what I read a little bit, um, people really didn't think this was going to happen. They really didn't believe that the British were are that close. So she waited in the White House or in the President's house and she was waiting for Madison to come back and then they would make a decision. And she wrote her sister um, on August 23rd. She said she could hear the cannon at the Battle of Bladensburg. That's how close the British were at that point. She said, our dear friend, Mr. our kind friend, Mr. Carroll, has come to hasten my departure and is in a very bad humor with me because I insist on waiting until the large picture of General Washington is secured and it requires to be unscrewed from the wall. This process was found too tedious for these perilous moments. I have ordered the frame to be broken and the canvas taken out. It is done and the precious portrait placed in the hands of two gentlemen of New York for safekeeping. And now, dear sister, I must leave this house or the retreating army will make me a prisoner in it by filling up the road I'm directed to take. So they, there's a wonderful image of her leaving Washington with, and people say, well, did she cut it out of the frame? But clearly what they did was they broke the frame and took the painting out and probably on its stretcher put it in this cart with various other things and, and left the city. Um, fully 30 some years later when this portrait was painted, she was reminiscing about this event. People knew her knew her for doing this, because the, the, the portrait of Washington was after the war was returned to the White House, after the White House was rebuilt. Um, so it's been there ever since. So it's still there today. It rarely leaves the White House. Um, it came here for an exhibition at one point and for some conservation, but it rarely leaves that, that setting. Um, in 1848, the man who had helped rescue the portrait wrote her to confirm the story. And um, she was she confirmed to him that this is what she said to him. Mr. Barker, I wish, if you cannot save them, to destroy the portrait of General Washington, the eagles, which ornament the drawing room, and the four cases of papers which you will find in the president's private room. The portrait I am very anxious to save, as it is the only original by Stuart. At all events, do not let them fall into the hands of the enemy, as their capture would enable them to make a great finish. And I think you can see what she's saying, she's saying that the image of, and we can imagine, of course, now with the age of cameras rolling and uh, maybe C-SPAN covering an event or, or uh, Aunt CNN or something, if the British had captured the portrait of Washington, it was virtually like saying he'd captured Washington, he'd captured the first president. So she was very eager to, to get it out of the British hands. Um, so when we come back to her in 1848, talking to this young artist from Springfield, Massachusetts, <coughs> He re she recounts that event, and that's what makes him describe her as a noble, heroic lady. So I think, um, although this is a portrait of Dolly at 80, not Dolly when she was in the White House, I think her, her spunk and her liveliness and her outgoing nature, this is a testimony in this portrait to that, to those characteristics. So that's why we're all fond of it. Now, um, this is when we were um, doing an exhibition, when we were closed, we did an exhibition that traveled called um, uh, Brush With History. And we included some of our key portraits in it. And this was one of the portraits. And we didn't know about the artist's comments at that time. But there was a little piece of paper in the, in the curatorial file that said, Artist Diary, Springfield Historical Society. So we took that opportunity to get 
the copy of the diary entries. And we have that, because of that, we had this wonderful testimony from a man who was otherwise very little known in the history of American portraiture, this artist who, who painted Dolly Madison at age 80. So that's my close-up face-to-face with Dolly. And I'd be glad to answer questions if anybody has any. No, I think that was her name. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dolly Payne Todd Madison. Was she related to the Todd family of Mary? She was married to, I think Todd was her first husband who died. And um, she was Payne, she was, was her maiden name. She was a Quaker from a Quaker family in Virginia. Was she friends and, at all with Elizabeth Cortland Monroe? Um, I don't know because what, the Monroes at this time I think were in Paris. I don't know. I know she was more friends with um, Mrs. Thornton and a lot of the people who were in Washington under Jefferson's administration. About the Monroes, I offhand don't know. Um, there, there's wonderful material about her. Her letters have been published recently, fairly recently. There's a book about uh, women in pol political society that's been published talking about her, her role in um, really establishing the way a, a, a democratic government would work in, in the new capital, because Jefferson, of course, was not married. So the whole idea of having receptions at the White House was not something that, well, she did that, apparently served as his hostess. But she was really the one, the Madisons were the one that opened up the White House as an, in a more formal way to regular receptions, just the way um, Martha Washington had done in Philadelphia. Well, thank you all for coming. Come back to the rest of the First Ladies later on. Thanks. No, this is, this, you, this, these are fake curls tucked under her, her turban because she was 80. So the dark brown curls are something that have been added. It's been added by her. By her. Oh, you didn't know that? Thank you. Thank you.